everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Swing Away Podcast. I'm Jenna Rose, joined by Donnie Dreyer of Total Sports. Unfortunately, Brian will not be with us on this episode, but Donnie, I know, you know, earlier this week you had the opportunity to go to the field and catch some games. Yeah, I did catch a couple games. Uh, I haven't been able to get out as much as I want, but now that it's over 50 degrees, I'm out <laughs> watching games. Uh, I got a chance to go over and see... Um, Novi matchup against Howe. I really wanted to see that because I haven't seen Regan Bennett from Novi pitch yet, uh, at least not live. And of course, I wanted to see Avery Wolverton and, and you know Howe being a top team. I wanted to see them as well. So great game. I'll tell you my, my takeaways. Uh, number one, Wolverton and, and Bennett were both on their game. I mean, it was uh, they were striking out so many so many players that kids, good hitters, were resorting to try and bunt, put the ball in play. So both of them, I thought, were uh, exceptional. What really stood out to me is the velocity of Bennett. So uh, I've been doing this for a long time in the state of Michigan. I've never clocked somebody in a game at 67, 68 and touching 69. So a lot of times I'll see on Facebook and other social media, media where kids are holding up uh, their radar guns and the speeds they're throwing. But uh, this is throwing live in games and being clocked at that speed. I just I just haven't seen it. You know, I, you know, I watched Nikki Nemitz when she was uh, when she was great and um, you know a lot of other pitchers and don't know anyone throwing that hard so that was impressive to see her throwing that velocity you know like a lot of these kids she still needs to work on a little better location um, she's got pretty good movement uh, especially up and out um, but like a lot of them they, they've got to get better change up so they, they'll dominate um, the average hitters but when they play at the level I believe these kids are going to play at they're going to need to have a better change up but so uh, great game uh, Novi ended up winning it in extra innings and um, no, it was fun to watch and then I went out again and watched um, had an opportunity to watch Bennett throw again against Grand Blank and I'll tell you I was very impressed with uh, Grand Blank. Blank. I knew uh, Kendall Clockhock was a very good pitcher, the kid that's going to, to Purdue, but she has got a supporting cast. They swing the bat well, hit a lot of hard balls off Bennett. Uh, Grand Blank ended up beating them. So my takeaway there was, um, you know, Clockhock and Bennett continue to impress, but uh, th- there's a supporting cast at Grand Blank that's going to give them a chance to go very far in the tournament. Yeah, no, it's exciting to see a lot of high-profile players. I mean, even with Bennett, I believe it was Channel 7 did a quick feature story on her. So to see the traction that they're gaining has been exciting. So in today's episode, we are going to have a special guest in Emily Miller, a physical therapist at DMC Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan. She'll have advice for softball players on what adjustments they can make to reduce the risk of injury. As always, we'll have some changes in the softball player of the year race. We're going to have some shout outs. And also, Donnie's going to dive into to why it's important for players to understand the history of the game, those who made the game great. And on that note, State Champs Michigan Swingway podcast is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity-level sports, including softball at Lawrence Tech. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and click the Recruit Yourself link. Swing Away is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA needs officials. Go to MHSAA.com. Great part-time pay. Stay connected to the game and support the kids and give back and get paid. Help wanted, just whistle. Go to MHSAA.com officials. 
the pros at the Detroit Medical Center's physical therapy and sports medicine. Check out our Game Changer segments with helpful injury prevention and recovery tips. Find them on our State Champs YouTube page or on our website, statechampsnetwork.com, or on the State Champs Michigan social media channels. And for immediate access to care, go to dmc.org slash gamechangers. And the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female High School Athlete of the Year Awards. The state's elite athletes will be honored with a red carpet gala on Monday, June 14th at the incredible DAC in downtown Detroit. This year's nominees have been announced, so for more information, head over to DACAthleteoftheyear.com. Joining us now is Emily Miller, a physical therapist at DMC Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan, where she's also certified in strength and conditioning. Emily played softball at Trenton High School and went on to coach JV softball for almost 10 years at Livonia Churchill High School. Emily, thank you for joining us on the Swing Away podcast today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Yeah, so seeing that you played softball yourself, what position did you play while you were there? I uh, I was uh, probably a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I was a pitcher in high school, although this was so long ago we didn't have the uh, the quite the pitching instruction like they did now, so I wasn't near as good as these young ladies are these days. Um, but I also was able to, uh, I played a lot of outfield and infield as well. I, you know, when you make yourself a utility player, you can get on the field easier. So I always <laughs> tell kids to to learn how to play more than one position. So. Right. And you're mentioning pitching, you know, some of these positions can be very physically taxing. So when you're looking at softball players nowadays, what are some common injuries that you're noticing? Well, from, uh, you know, more the acute injury, so we can break it up into both acute and um, or overuse injuries. Acutely, you're going to see kids, uh, you know, sprained ankles, knee injuries, um, you know, if they get clunked in the head, they get a concussion or something like that. And some, you know, more acute trauma to the shoulder, you know, poor, me- uh, poor mechanics of the throw or something. Um, from a pitching standpoint, we oftentimes see these what we call overuse injuries. So this is a chronic, the pain that's been building up over time that creates problems. And, and a lot of times, especially in the pitching, um, diff- you know, f- Eight out of the nine positions in softball are all overhead athletes, but the pitcher throws differently and they throw a lot more frequently. So they're more prone to these overuse injuries. Um, and you see a lot of common like an- what, anterior shoulder, the front of the shoulder injuries um, with the biceps uh, labral complex um, because of the amount of force in the uh, windmill throw. So, um, but you can also see uh, chronically, you know, biceps tendonitis, things like that as well. So, um, so yeah, you break them down into two, two groups. Uh, chronic or uh, excuse me acute and overuse so. and when you're looking at those two types of injuries how can softball athletes reduce the risk of those i think um um from one of the easiest way is to make sure that you're warming up properly um you know back in the day it was you know run around the field two times and then then stretch out your hamstrings and a few light stretches and start throwing um, we kind of made the mistake, I think, in the past that throwing was a warm-up. With in, in reality, the, um, we warm up before we throw. So a lot of times we're, we're moving more towards what we call more dynamic or active stretching. So getting people to move before they actually go into their, their pitching drills, their throwing drills, their fielding drills, whatever it might be. Um, so 
when we talk about active warm-ups. So moving your active or dynamic warm-ups means warming up by moving. And so so using, you know, starting with your arms, doing shoulder circles, forward, back, you know, swinging your arms across your body a little bit, up and down, uh, swing your legs, hip circles, things like that. And then you can progress to, well, you know, more uh, active stretching in the lower extremities. So it means like high knee marches or straight leg raise walking or toy soldiers. But you also want to move in all planes of motion. You just want to go forward and back. You want to move side to side and you want to work some rotational things as well. So, you know, lunge with twisting, lunge walking, karaoke's where, you know, you're doing like those, those grapevines, things like that. So getting people moving in multiple planes, but doing this all before you actually pick up a bat. So um, important there. With respect to some of the pitchers, one of the things, and in, in for a long time, you, if you follow Little League Baseball or any kind of baseball, they talk about pitch counts. But for a long time, we really didn't discuss that with softball pitchers at all. If you watch any of the Women's College World Series or some of these tournaments, these kids will play, you know, how many games in a day and some of these softball tournaments in the in high school, well, they, they're riding the same pitcher. And now we know a little bit more that they're trying to really look at pitch count and trying to limit pitches based on, you know, how many they're throwing a day. And they, they kind of break them up in age groups. So the younger kids, they may limit it to 80 a day and then less the next day, but then no, do not pitch more than two days in a row. Whereas some of the older kids, you get in the, in the teenage years, they can maybe pitch th- after three days, they need a day of rest. And when we mean rest, we mean no throwing, no batting practice throwing, no not, you know, you just take a day off. So I think when we're getting, we're getting smarter with our, our treatment of these athletes, we're going to prevent injuries that way. Yeah, and you were talking about it's very common amongst, among softball players to have the overusage, and it's important to incorporate that dynamic and active stretching. But when you're not on the field, what are some good conditioning programs that players should be a part of? Well, hopefully some of these, in these off-season training and stuff like that, I think one of the things that you know, we tend to, when kids go to the gym and they lift, they tend to lift and they they want to lift and, and create nice, shapely shoulders, work deltoids, work their lats. But where they really need to start working some of the smaller uh, muscles in the, in, the, in the smaller muscles, the rotator cuff, um, and some of the muscles that stabilize the shoulder blade and work on mechanics that way. Also, training the lower extremity because at the end of the day, strong legs and proper hip, using your hips and your lower extremity properly, that's where your, your throw develops. If you don't have strong legs and proper rotation through your trunk, you're going to have, you know, potentially some injuries as well. And, and sometimes when you look at whether it's baseball or, or softball, kids that are more arm throwers and they don't use their legs, those are the ones that are going to start to to develop some of these overuse injuries or potentially even a traumatic tear or something like that. So very important to incorporate both upper and lower extremity. Um, a good strength and conditioning program will, you know, will have these spelled out and, and working. So it's okay working squats and lunges and things like that as part of, as part of your routine. It's, it's not just about about the arm. It's definitely uh, both upper and lower and core strengthening, you know, to, to you know, to, to make sure that you're integrating a, a good core program with planks and, and, and any kind of stability ball things. There's a, there's a whole, there's no one perfect exercise out there, but there's a lot of things that kids can do to try to, to work on core strengthening. But integrate movements too, like that, that actually kind of mimic a softball, what a softball player is going to do in a game, you know, movement wise. So squats are great, but how do we use a squat and how to, you know, change a direction, things like that too. So working on agility. Definitely is important to target your core and to incorporate your lower half. And one more question before we let you go here, Emily, just as a former softball athlete, that experience inspire you to become a physical therapist and an athletic trainer? Partially. Yeah. You know, I always liked sports. I always, I always knew I wanted to do 
something related to to that. And 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 then I did a little volunteer work in both a hospital-based setting, so that um, in a neuro rehab actually. And and then I also did some volunteer work down at the University of Detroit in their training room for a little while to you know to try to see both sides of it. I mean you know physical therapy. There's so many different avenues you go in physical therapy. And then um, and then as I went on, got a strength and and. Uh, conditioning certification. There are so many great instructors that aren't physical therapists, but they really specialize in, in how the body moves. And so some of the ones that have inspired me are are ones that are not necessarily physical therapists, but they have such an, a keen awareness of how the body moves and how to train the body. And again, less less with machines and more with bands and balls and, 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 and looking how we move and looking at uh, how to train you know, efficiently and properly with for our athletes and, and be more sport specific. Right. Understanding how the body moves certainly is quite key. Emily, thank you for your time today. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much. If you have a sports injury or want to maximize your athletic performance, contact the DMC sports medicine team at dmc.org slash sports. Now, Donnie, it's time for the changes in the softball player of the year race. We know you've got some updates, so I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, we definitely have changes. Uh, three changes, which is as, as many as we've ever had. But uh, there's just some kids cranking out some great numbers, and uh, they need to be recognized. And, and the kids coming off the list, it's not like they're doing poorly. They're having great years, but the, we've just got some numbers coming in. Uh, again, that have to be uh, recognized. And we actually have two kids that were on the list previously that are back on the list. So Lauren and I always talk about, you know, just because you come off the list, it doesn't mean you come back on. Well, we're seeing that. So let's start with who's coming off the list. One is Golake's Mandy Essman. Uh, she's the junior that's uh, headed and committed to Michigan State. Mandy's having a great year. She's sitting over 500, doing a lot of things. But as you'll see in a minute, we've, we've got some kids coming in with some pretty good numbers. Also coming off the list, uh, talented third baseman going to Kent State is Delaney Roberson. She's going to be replaced by a teammate. Um, that's kind of interesting. And then also coming off the list, what I think is the best player in the state is Lily Valamont. And Lily's having a great year. She's hitting 550, 10 home runs, slugging percentage of over 1,200, uh, just doing some great things, all while being walked a lot. But as, as we mentioned in the show, a lot of these great hitters are getting walked. So those are, those are the kids coming off the list. Coming on the list, it will say back on the list, Ellie Sealer. Ellie is hitting 699. She has scored 56 runs. And uh, what I was just made aware of, she's got a 67 game hit streak. Obviously, that's over multiple years. And, and the state record is crazy. It's 91, but she's over 20 ahead of whoever was in second place, which I think was 41. So she's having a, a fabulous year. And I, and I couldn't hit off 700 off a of batting tee. So the fact that she's hitting <laughs> 699 is impressive. Uh, Ellie Sealer, of course, the senior at Monroe going to, to Michigan. She's back on the list. Also back on the list, Rachel Everett, a uh, great pitcher at Heartland. And, you know, Rachel doesn't have the the gaudy strikeouts. She struck out um, 119 in 79 innings. But what she's doing is she's pitching the big games. So they've got a pitching staff. So she's throwing the, good ga- the, the big games. And given that, She's still got an ERA of .289, which uh, she's given up three earned runs all year, and that's over 73 innings. So to have that type of ERA when Heartland is playing a tough schedule and she's throwing the biggest games, 
that's huge, and so we could not ignore it. Rachel's a, a good two-way player, but her pitching numbers are far exceeding what she's doing um, offensively. So we had to have her back on the list. And then another kid that was on the list that we uh, went off, and she must have not liked being taken off the list, is Kelly Havilland from Three Rivers, senior going to Alabama. So she is now hitting 636. She has scored 65 runs, and she has the record at 88. I don't know if she's going to catch that, but uh, she's having a great season. 50 uh, RBIs, and she now, I believe, leads the state this year with 20 home runs. And the record's 26, so it's now in sight. Uh, Kendra Vanderluck's got 19. Saborski's got 19. There's a lot of kids that are going to push that 26 if they uh, continue the pace that they're going. So, Havilland, Sealer, and Everett are now on the list, and uh, Valamont, Roberson, and Esman are temporarily off the top 10 list but each week we're going to see changes because the numbers have been fantastic yeah i know there's been a plenty of fluctuation but when it comes to the shout out side of things donnie who else would you like to talk about this week well uh a number of kids uh you know in the top 10s as i mentioned saborski's just been on a tear and now she's got 19 home runs she's hitting over 600 she's around 610 and uh, a slugging percentage of 1,800, which is which is crazy. So she just really, really tore it up. Uh, Vanderluck continues to hit home runs, as I mentioned. She's at 19. Another kid that uh, that's on our watch list that's really having a great year is Jenna Blevins from Flat Rock, who's committed to going to Hartford um, next year. Jenna's hitting 589, 12 home runs, 50 ribbies, 40 runs scored, and her slugging percentage is over 1,100. So she's just having a fantastic year. Alyssa Holo, who's kind of been teaming up with uh, Saborski, but really their whole teammates, South Lane East is on pace to set the team record, season, single season record for home runs. And Holo's doing her part. She's now up to 11 home runs. She's hitting over 500, 40 RBIs, and her slugging percentage is over over 1,300. You know, another kid that continues to quietly impress us on a very talented Anchor Bay team is is Danielle Keeley, who is uh, the catcher from Anchor Bay. Danielle is hitting 600 in the leadoff spot. So four home runs is, is nice for a leadoff hitter. She scored 30 runs and 24 RBIs, but uh, again, in a talented lineup, she is having a great season. Again, Anchor Bay sees a lot of top talent, and they see a lot of tough pitching. So to be able to put up those kind of numbers against top pitching is great, and we will um, continue to track them. You know, a lot we've been talking about um, during the course of these podcasts, different schools having, you know, the, the dynamic duel, like we'll talk about Holo and Saborski. Notre Dame Prep has got a couple kids that are really having great years. One is the the junior Jordan Smith, who was committed to Central Michigan University, hitting 596. She's got 15 home runs and 53 RBIs, which those those are just those are great numbers. But uh, her teammate, which we've talked about before, and a kid that's really pressing the top 10 in my opinion, is Elena Schwegman. Uh, again, also from Notre Dame Prep. She's going to be going to to Rice. Her average is 690. She's scored 55 runs, 11 home runs, slugging percentage over 1,300. So those two are really, really um, doing a great job at Notre Dame Prep for Betty Rubel, and um, we're going to continue to track those kids. Another kid that also we're going to continue to track is Kennedy Coombe from, from Clio. Um, she is a sophomore uncommitted. She's hitting 667 with 13 home runs. 
59 RBI. So those are those are big numbers. And um, a, a shout out to all our Aquinas fans and Coach Carson Hendricks. Hendricks, I'm sorry, 2021 from Powers Catholic. She's hitting 550, four home runs, and a slugging percentage of over a thousand. So those are just some of the kids that we're getting numbers on, and we think they deserve shout outs and kids that we'll continue to track. Uh, along with uh, who's in and out of the top 10. I'm excited to see as the season progresses how the storylines shake out because we're getting down to the wire here. It seems like it's going by so fast. It is going by fast and uh, before you know it, it'll be districts and we'll be freezing our top 10 and then right after the quarterfinals is when we'll get down to our final four and I wouldn't be surprised to see one, two or all four of the kids that are in the final four uh, potentially being up for... um, Total Softball Player of the Year. Mm-hmm, most certainly. Yeah. And, you know, something we've been talking about with WCWS, the Women's College World Series, around the corner, um, just talking about these younger athletes. Not everyone understands the history of the game and those before them who have made it great. And, you know, you think of some of the popular names like Jenny Finch, Jessica Mendoza, but really there are so many players who have contributed to the game and made it what it is today. Yeah, it's something that I really would, um, you know, of course I've been around a long time and I've, and I've seen the changes, but uh, you know, I go back to when I was a kid, and you know, I followed the Detroit Tigers. I I was glued to the TV because they only played games on Saturday, and I would watch them. And then when I was done, I would go out in the backyard, and I copied every one of those swings. One of the ways I became a switch hitter was, I mean, I I had to, you know, I loved Al Kaline and Willie Horton and Bill Freehand, but I had to duplicate, you know, Jim Northrup and Dick McAuliffe. Um, all these names these kids don't understand. <laughs> I mean, that's what we did, and we we copied their styles. And I felt like doing that. I self-taught myself the game. Um, we didn't have individual instructors, and and maybe they were out there, and I just didn't know about it. But that's how we did the game. And my concern is that I think the kids are removed from the game too much. And, and what I mean by that, Jenna, is kids have all their 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 personal instructors so they go to their hitting instructor their pitching instructor their catching instructor you know they go and they they learn some stuff and then they that's it i don't see kids watching games and um you know i guess it starts with the history of the game who made this game great because ideally when when i started out getting involved with softball michigan had chicken wire as a backstop and that you you take university of michigan now and, and what's going on there and what's going on with the with the collegiate game, it's it's absolutely amazing. But there are people that came before our current kids that made this game great. And I think understanding, first of all, the history of the game and understanding the history of the player, that's going to motivate you. If you dig down deep and find out what made these legendary people great, you're going to get nuggets from that that's going to help you make better. But right now, I... I you know, in, in a generalization, kids don't do that. They they don't know who they're playing tomorrow. They don't know who their opponent is. And, um, you know, so when I go back and, you know, we we talk about kids don't know who Lisa Fernandez is. They may say, well, she, hey, I saw her. She's an assistant coach at, at UCLA. But Lisa Fernandez is maybe the greatest ever two-way player and one of the great ambassadors of our game. And if you ever get a chance to meet um, Lisa Fernandez, she would always have time for her fans. But understanding what made Lisa Fernandez great, if somebody was to go in there, and especially now with going on social media, you can find anything you want. You don't got to go to a store and buy a book. You're going to come away with some things that are going to, to motivate you. Michelle Smith, Natasha Watley, some of our you know recent players like Kat Osterman, Stacey Newman, Jenny Finch, 
Monica Abbott. Those are names that kids know, but they probably don't know Dot Richardson. And, you know, uh, Dr. Dot is the head coach at Liberty, and she's legendary. She was on the first two Olympic teams. She was one of the greatest players that ever played this game. And I guarantee if a kid studied Dot Richardson, you know, if you want to be an infielder and you want to know what it's like to be great, you know, read a biography on Dot Richardson, and you're going to come away with some good things. Debbie Doom is a name that nobody would, would know. A lot of us uh, know some of the great coaches, Mike Candrea, who's at Arizona. But uh, Mike was groundbreaking getting into college softball. He was really the first male coach. And, um, you know, to understand what he did to be successful and to be accepted is just important stuff to me. Ralph Raymond, who is probably the dean of women's softball coaches, who's got the greatest winning percentage of over 920, maybe in any sport, legendary coach. Joan, jo uh, Joan Joyce, fantastic player. Sharon Backus was the, the designer of the UCLA dynasty before Sue Enquist came there. And Sue Enquist, my God, these kids, if you ever hear that Sue Enquist is doing a speech and engagement, you need to go to that. You will never find a more motivational speaker than, than Sue Enquist. And it would be so valuable if a kid got a chance to hear Sue talk and her passion for the game. Margie Wright, another legendary coach. Uh, Cindy Bristow runs a company called Softball Excellence. She's also a, a college coach. She is probably the best instructor of teaching the game. She is a master educator of the game. And not only is she just really influential to coaches and the best coaches, when I go to, when I go to conventions, the best coaches, top D1 coaches are listening to what Cindy has to say. Um, but players could learn a lot from Cindy Bristol. She just knows how to teach stuff. So the history of the game, I think, is, is really important. And I use the example of a, a Tiger Woods, who may be the greatest golfer of all time. He was also the best student. He could tell you in 1966 what iron Jack Nicklaus used on the number three fairway. He just was a student of the game. And I think if these kids take a little time to understand the history of the game, I think it's going to make their, their game better. So history is great. And then, uh, as you mentioned, we've got now uh, a great opportunity when you talk about watching the College World Series coming up, which is, um, is my, my favorite time of the year. I'm working on getting my third TV set up in my outdoor tiki bar so that I can watch three games at one time. But um, Jenna, right now, these kids, the best players in our game are going to be playing for the next two to three weeks. And these kids have a chance to turn on the TV and watch these kids play. And I don't mean turning on the TV to, you know, to watch a, a matchup of Clemson and Alabama. You know, that's going to be a great game, uh, especially for a regional. But I'm talking about really dissecting certain people. Watch away a kid loads. Watch away a kid, you know, does an internal rotation. You know, we're seeing a lot more of the, the, the split grip. Find kids that are using that split grip and find out why they're doing it and watching them. You know, if you're a shortstop, study what these shortstops do. It's such a great time. If you can imagine, I can sit in front of a TV and watch Sis Bates from Washington, you know, the best shortstop that maybe has ever played the game defensively. You got a chance to turn on the TV and watch that kid. That, you know, you can go to a lesson with Donnie Dreher and he's going to teach you how to field a ball. It, it doesn't compare to watching the best in the game because our, our female athletes are so great at watching something 
and then duplicate. And it's one of the reasons that for years, I traveled the country just playing the best competition because I knew it was a more of a valuable teaching tool when my kids saw the best in the game. So we just found out where the best were and uh, you know we got in a car or got in a plane and we went out and, uh, and played them. So I would love to see our generation of kids first learn the history of the game and then start to start to watch the game, watch the best players because you got access to the TV. And um, I'm also going to throw another uh, plug out there. When television started following college softball, the only game that was televised in softball was the championship game. And now, of course, you can basically see every game. And when it comes to the College World Series that's going to be starting Thursday night, you're going to be able to see uh, every game and the majority of them on um, national networks. And, um, you know, it's important, the growth of our game. And I would also encourage every player, every parent, every coach, turn on your TV. Turn on your TV. Let's keep the ratings going. I belong to the NFCA, the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association. ESPN comes there, and they tell us that they love, they love college softball. They love the game. And uh, let's do our part to make sure that we support it. So for the players, not only can you learn by watching, but let's support these, um, let's support the kids, let's support the game, and let's do our share to make this game great, like some of the kids that I uh, mentioned, both players and coaches that, that came before us that set a pathway to get this game is to where it is now. Right, and I liked what you mentioned there, Donnie. There's a difference between turning on the game and sitting and watching it and studying specific players. When it comes to the Women's College World Series, are there any players that you could maybe throw out there that girls should be trying to emulate? Well, I think everybody's got to understand their own style, and there's so many different ways of being successful. But I mentioned defensively, Sis Bates. I mean, just you know, just watch what she does. But in general, if I were to say middle infielders, one of the things that stands out to me is how great the top players at second base and shortstop can drop step and go get a ball that maybe is 130 feet into the outfield. It allows the outfield to play a lot deeper. Usually we'll get our infielders that a uh, little tentative going back, but these girls are on a dead sprint running with their hands down. When it's time to bring the glove up, they bring the glove up. Um, I would, uh, would watch the whole Oklahoma roster bat. You know, their uh, three, four, and five have got 27, 20, and 24 hit home runs respectively. I think they're around 130, which is crazy. When I talk about the development of this game, there was years when teams didn't hit one home run with 190-foot fences. But watch the different ways they do it. Watch the different ways they load. Some do no strides. Some really pick up the leg. Um, some really inward turn. Great extension of the hitters really stands out to me. You'll see that. But, you know, kids have a style, and there's all different ways to be successful. But I would just study in... And you, you watch different things. It's like when I go to a game and I'm going to watch a, a Regan Bennett, and all of a sudden I see someone else that I'm like, my God, I didn't know that kid existed. Man, she's good. I think the same thing will happen if you want to go watch Sis Bates and you pick up another player at Washington that's that like, wow, and you really kind of study the kid. The, um, the catcher for Oklahoma, I didn't know who she was. I know who Jocelyn Allo is. She's the one that's you know going to have the record for most home runs, and she's got the, uh, the most of the season at 27. I know her because we, we played against her in travel, so I, I kind of track her. But I didn't know, um, I think it's Hanson. I hope I'm getting that right, the catcher. I just love watching that kid, both defensively and offensively. So you're, you're going to find, find role models that you didn't know existed. Turn on the TV, you know, put everything away for a little bit, 
and um, your game is going to get better, right? Learn some things and then find some heroes. And then once you find these heroes, dig into their bio. You can go to the websites of the, of the, the teams, the rosters. Find out what this kid did, what made him great. You can Google their name. Find out what travel programs they did. What high school did they come from? Find some people that you can emulate, some people, you know, the, the LK lines of my era that you can say, I want to be like that person. And not, not just know the name, know everything about them. And before you're talking about how important research is, can you just mention the name of the book that you have here with you, just in case if anyone wanted to do some further reading? Sure. Women's Fast Pitch Softball. It's called The Best of the Best, and it's uh, the author is Bill Plummer. Um, but it was, it was a, great, a great read for me that I got years ago. Um, you know, they could probably come up with another one now. I mean, you talk about uh, people like uh, Jessica Mendoza and, uh, of course, Hutch and many other great ones that, that could be in this. But it's a, it's a great read because you get about 15 pages on the history of the, of the best of the best. And um, it's, it's a good education piece. And just for myself, I'm not a player but a coach, it motivates me to hear what, what people have done to become great. And, you know, you can get a book like this, but I'm telling you, you can go on the Internet. You can get all kinds of information, especially how good these girls are with, uh, with going on the Internet and, and digging up stuff. Yeah, understanding the history of the game and watching those and trying to emulate those who are at the top of their craft now will surely improve their game. Donnie, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Always love being here.